if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is Sunday, September the 26th, and I got a pretty good show for you this week. Pretty good. You know what I didn't do? I didn't check my volume levels. Ever since that one really horrible time that uh, I was, like, screeching in everyone's ears. I mean, you can make a pretty fair argument that I'm always screeching in everyone's ears. But at least the levels are balanced. All right, there. We're good. <clears throat> Got an interesting show in The Devil's Advocate. We're going to be talking about the importance of you. That's right. You're all special. Special, original snowflakes. Drifting in the wind. No, it's not going to be quite like that. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting, I hope. Maybe. Or not. Maybe I'm just... Maybe this is the episode I'm just mailing in. Maybe that's what it is. In the Infernal Informant, a teenager on TikTok, and that just confirmed that I'm mailing this episode in, disrupted thousands of scientific studies with a single video. You won't believe how unexciting it is once you hear the action. Like, that headline makes you think, gasp, it must be something outrageous. Prepare to be disappointed. In the Creature Feature, I thought I would do something that I've only done a handful of times, and that's present an image that is thought-provoking, that is impactful, and pair it with some music that is emotionally resonant and just as impactful as the image. So we're going to do an image from the International Space Station and Johann Sebastian Bach's C Major Prelude. Mm, it's going to be a great way to go out of this episode. I cannot wait for the end of this episode. <laughs> That sounds like a bad thing, but it's really not. <clears throat> All right, Ashley, how you doing? Thanks for joining the live chat. What is happening? Sapphire Rose, how do you do? Dog, <laughs> I don't usually wear my glasses on my head, and so I, I can't say that I've ever felt that or had that experience, but I will say eh, I could see myself doing it for sure, <laughs> 100%. I've actually done that with... Um, <gasps> no, I have done that with sunglasses that were hanging on my shirt. I'm like wandering around the house. Where the hell are my sunglasses? Who touched my sun? Just right here. So, yeah, you're not alone. We're all human. Uh, Mike, how you doing? Thanks for joining live. How you doing, Gary? What's up, man? Uh, let's see. Thareth, good to see you. Zachary, my man, thanks for joining live. William, always great to see you in the chat. David, hail Satan. Jameson, I love your whiskey. No, it's good to see you, man. Evil Monkey, I feel like it's been a minute. Good to see you nonetheless. The purest, the pursuit, pursuit of ecstasy. How you doing? Thanks for joining live. Lexi, how you doing, hon? Um, let's see. Dog mom. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's too close to dogs, my co-pilot. We're going to have to have a thumb war. That's the only way to settle these things. I mean, they've been doing it since ancient Greece. So, you know, fight over the dog name. Anton, how you doing? Thanks for joining live. What's up, Greg? The Siri? Great to see you in the chat as always. Achilles, what's up? And Grindel. 
How you doing? Good to see you. All right, I think uh, Valeria, how you doing, hon? Dandelion Bodies, can't forget that name. Love it. I think that's everyone, right? All right, that's everyone. Throughout the course of this conversation, if you have any comments or thoughts or disagreements with anything that I propose, please put it up there in the chat. And uh, everyone will have an opportunity to squash your opinion or cheer it on. That's what I love about this format, is it doesn't matter what I'm talking about, more often than not, y'all in the chat room are having your own conversations. So I'm literally just shouting in the black of night for no reason. I'm just providing a platform for you all to chat together. And I can't say that that's a bad thing. <laughs> I don't mind it. It's okay. Uh, it gives me an excuse to shout into the wind, I suppose. All right. Um, today, I'm exhausted. It has been a hell of a weekend, specifically a hell of a day. So I uh, finished kegging my pumpkin ale, which I'm so excited for. So in like, because I kegged it instead of bottling it, it's going to be ready in like two weeks. So I'm going to be, I'm probably not going to be drinking it, to be honest, but I'm going to be sharing it with uh, as many people as want to come over and uh, partake. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be good beer, and I'm really, really thrilled that it's finally done, because I've been sitting on this, um, yeah, I've been sitting on doing it for a long time, and, uh, you know, talking to my buddy Wes and his girl, you know, I, I feel like I kind of owe them it because I've talked to them about it for so long, now I'm finally going to get a chance to, to share my pumpkin ale. And we have more sugar pumpkins, so I'm going to be making some homemade pumpkin pies again. And I have to tell you, the last crust I made... Yeah, we're talking about Satan here, people. <laughs> talking about cooking. The last crust that I made for my homemade pumpkin pies um, was just not quite at the par. It was wildly flaky, maybe a little too flaky. I don't know. I feel like I missed something, even though I still follow the exact same recipe I follow every single year. But somehow it was slightly different. I'm not sure why. But I'm going to give it again. I'm going to give it another go again. Yeah. And, uh... And even, it's like pizza. You know, pumpkin pie is like pizza. Even if it's bad, it's still fucking pizza. You know, it's still pumpkin pie. You cannot argue with homemade pumpkin pie. You take your sugar pumpkin, you cut it in half, you scrape out the seeds, leaving as much pulp as you possibly can, and then you stick them in the oven, covered in foil at like 350 for like 90 minutes or so. Then you scoop it all out, you puree it with your hand pureeer, and it's like... It's like the perfect pumpkin pie. Then you throw in a whole bunch of really wonderful seasonings, get some eggs and some evaporated milk, and god damn, it's delicious. It's delicious. I feel like if there was a pumpkin pie or the cross, Jesus would have chose my pumpkin pie over your sins. 100%. If there was ever a man named Jesus, he would have gladly sacrificed his godhood for my pumpkin pie. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just saying. It's a thing. All right, let's see. Um, we finally got rid of our trampoline, which our kids have not touched in <laughs> seemingly decades, but, you know, a couple of years. Um, and we gave it to uh, my my sister-in-law, and she has some grandkids that, you know, hang out, and they're loving it. But what I never thought about before I did it was that now I have a huge backyard. You don't think about how much space a big-ass trampoline takes. Every Saturday I go mow my lawn, I have to move, drag the trampoline over so I can, you know, mow it. You know, in, in ultimately because I mow in different patterns, um, 
<laughs> for the for the lawn ultimately it means i have to plan on where i'm going to move the trampoline for the next week so i only have to move it once rather than you know twice or three times or whatever so i have this massive void in the backyard it's just this vast expanse of green that my chickens are and my dogs are just you know sort of exploring the wilderness that just doesn't seem to have been there before because there's a gigantic trampoline there yeah it's there now open air and it's great it's weird how much and the thing is like it you know it, it was an old trampoline we'd had it for for years and years and years so like the zipper on the little safety net didn't exist anymore so it was like this open vag vaginal gape you know to get to crawl into the the trampoline I, it was kind of an eyesore i don't know i'm glad it's gone and it, it just feels like i have a whole new backyard more square footage than i ever had before um yeah so i did the kegging beer and i also because you know sort of around the perimeter of my uh backyard i have gewurztraminer grapes on the south uh, side and on the east side, I have two rows of Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. And today was the day I took my refractometer out there and I checked the sugar level of the grapes and it is in the zone, in the zone. So I took all my grapes out and I was like, uh, you know, filling them up and covering, submerging them in water because I have to fight for my grapes. It's not something that you just plant and it grows and you reap the rewards. There's wild birds that are wild about my grapes that you have to throw netting over the grapes so to protect them. But there's also earwigs. Ooh, the little pincher butts. Oh, they're the worst. And they love my grapes. They go crawl up like James and the Giant Peach style all up inside one grape shell and just eat it for a while. And when they're done, they like take their creepy crawly ass into another one consuming my grapes so i have like a finite window of being able to maximize maximize my ripe grape yield with the consumption of these goddamn earwigs and i don't want to spray anything on my grapes to you know make it so that the earwigs wouldn't want to get into them like sulfur or something like that i want them to be as natural as possible and so it's just this gamble you know, you're just rolling the dice every single time. How many grapes am I going to get? How much, how many gallons of wine am I going to be able to make this year? So, yeah, dude, Grin, it was, it was like Fear Factor. Because there's just buckets of water and all the little earwigs are, you know, trying to get to the air. And then they're like clinging onto each other. And it's like this like skydivers how they like hold on to each other as they're falling and they create like shapes and circles and stuff that it was it was that but it was earwigs floating to the surface of my like grape water it was filthy disgusting but every once in a while you get like a weird spire that you've never seen before you're like where, where did you come from you know like this it's not like a normal spider it's i don't know just weird stuff so you know you have to fight through that stuff but it was a good time Spent a couple hours in the sun, and now I'm just beat. I guess all of that just means that I'm, I'm really exhausted. So, not that you could tell by my <laughs> rambling on. But I have to tell you, I've got some Cabernet Sauvignon in the first primary fermenter, and I'm doing the whole grape fermentation method. So, that's going to be really... It's not really whole grape. I mean, I, I crushed them up, but it's still like grape skin fermentation method. And then I also have the Gewurztraminer which is going to be, you know, this delightful little uh, sweet desserty wine. It's a bit of a rosé color, 
It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Going to have beer and wine for days. Love it. And we ended up just picking up another um, Malbec wine kit because I can't grow Malbec here in Utah. I mean, you probably could, but just, it's not the zone, you know, the, the, the temperature zone that is perfect for them. Um, so I picked up a kit and uh, I'm going to be making that again too. So, yeah, not going to be stopping drinking anytime. <laughs> I just I have to talk to my doctor about that. All right, um, that's enough ranting and raving. Let's dive into this. Let's talk about you. Enough about me, right? Who wants to hear about me? Devil's advocate. Apparently, I'm going to have to lube up my grape stems with Vaseline. <laughs> All right. If it works, I'll do it. Those things are gross. All right, what are we doing this first one? All right, I got a fun little image here. Fight the power. All right, the importance of you. This came to me because, again, I'm kind of on the verge of mailing it in. But every once in a while, I like to have a conversation that revolves around empowerment rather than trying to chase something down, you know, a goal or, or improving yourself or, you know, talking about the negative sides of, you know, some Satanist behavior. And, you know, I, I, I every once in a while remind myself that I kind of feel an obligation to weigh out the pros and the cons together, right? Try to keep an equal balance because ultimately all of us from time to time are going to be down. And it's nice to be able to realize those things or recognize those parts of ourselves that are of value, that um, are substantive. So um, I want to start this, and I've said this ad nauseum, but I'll, one more time is not going to hurt. I don't believe in the sanctity of life. And so the idea of a segment titled The Importance of You may imply this idea that you are important to me. No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I don't even know you, so I don't care about you. But you are important to you. And that's the core of what this conversation is going to be about. Because most human beings seem to be simply on autopilot. It's nice to be able to at least recognize those of us who are not. Now, I do believe in the importance of you, the individual. Some individuals recognize themselves as something more than just an easily led automaton moving about their nine to five, going home, watching the latest sports game or reality TV show, going to bed and starting it all over again. These types of people don't consider possibility don't chase dreams, don't take risks in their lives. Hence, you could argue they're not actually living at all. So for those other individuals like us, where your thoughts and actions can do and do have effects on the greater world at large, that's what I wanna really celebrate here. That by exercising your will, you are powerful. And it doesn't have to be on some grand scheme either. It could be on a very personal level. 
not like getting someone to give you the TV remote control. That's that's a little too personal level. You know what I mean? Now, some individuals don't actually recognize that flame within themselves. Some, when they do see they have that, that inner flame, that inner drive, they see it as like a fault. They don't actually recognize it as a positive because the majority of people around them don't act as if they have that. Like it's a strange thing to to recognize that you are in fact different and to celebrate it. It's an odd thing. And so people try to squash it down. They try to tamp down that strength of individualism within themselves, that yearning that if you're quiet enough, if you tune into yourself enough, you're going to hear. You're going to feel that burning sensation inside. It may be an STD. (laughs) Just putting it out there. Or it could be the, your, your inner flame <laughs> guiding you. Um, some simply just don't understand what it is or how to use it. And that's what I love so much about Satanism as a religion. And I champion about not all of Satanists, but certainly a number of them, and myself included, that we do recognize that flame. We do go out of our way to stoke it to a grand inferno and allow it to guide us in time when maybe we we would rather sit on our ass and do nothing. Maybe we would rather from time to time not get up in the morning and work out or, or not go out and continue working the job that you find genuinely challenging, even though at the end of the challenging day you find gratification in that. You know, sometimes you just don't want to get out of bed at all. And yet we do. And we use that as a starting point for something greater that we want to move on to throughout the day. That's what Satanism does for me. Um, It tells me that I am of significance, not because I'm a Satanist, but because I recognize that I have that inner flame, that I know how to use it, and that I do, in fact, use it. I made a note here that's spelled incorrectly that says I stroke my flame. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> sure. Uh, but ultimately, it's only something of significance of import if you're actually exercising, if you're actually doing something with yourself, right? It tells me that I, Satanism, that I don't need to care about what others think or do. I don't have to aspire to someone else's vision of significance. That it's okay for me to just be content in my own skin if that's what I want. But it also provides those opportunities in order to glimpse within yourself to decide whether or not you want to do something greater. Maybe there's a fault within yourself that you want to work on. Satanism provides those views for you. Now, not every Satanist is going to examine them or or use every tool that Satanism offers. Certainly, there's Satanists who don't practice greater Satanic magic. But the tools are there. Um, Let's see. It gives me the tools to improve myself where I see room for improvement and to recognize faults that I want to change. And the important part about this whole entire conversation is that it's all about you. 
It doesn't matter if there's a group of other Satanists that you like to connect with online. Looking at you, chat room. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they think about you. Even if you have a great relationship with those people online, that's okay. But they should not be the driving force for you. You should. And the fact that a religion offers that opportunity for you to seize, that's amazing. And I haven't seen it anywhere else in any other religion. It's always trying to chase someone else. Some other idea of a hero or a mythic figure or a caricature of uh, some one individual's view of what a god is. No, we are our own god, right? So let's celebrate that. The importance of you is developed and personified by you. If you feel insignificant, there's no one in the world that's going to make you feel important. It's up to you to break out of that funk, to behave in ways that discourage that type of thought processes and behave in ways, rather, that encourage positive views of yourself. And the biggest hurdle that I think people come into when, they, when they're feeling down about themselves or they just don't feel like they have the self-confidence to do what they would like to do in life is because they're continually comparing themselves to others. Well, I'm not as good as that person at what I want to do, or that I could never be as good as them. Stop. That is a poisonous thought process to have. It doesn't matter whether or not you will ever be better than someone else, as long as you're your best. And that's not an easy thing to accept. It's not a simple thing to do. It takes conscious effort because we are bombarded in our world with constant views, whether they're manufactured or not, of other people's successes or happinesses or moments of joy. The reality is, is most of those are whole cloth manufactured and not real at all. But if you're being bombarded with those messages and you're just not seeing that in your life, it's easy to fall into pitfalls of despair or just giving up trying to chase your goals or your dreams. You have to filter that nonsense out. And again, it's not easy, but it's a choice that you make whether or not you do. It may take years. It may take a lifetime to realize the best version of you. And you may never actually see that or feel it, regardless of how many goals that you achieve, how many faults you feel like you've corrected. Maybe you're constantly chasing until the day you die. But you will have lived a life of significance because you were actively trying to improve that life. You weren't resting on your laurels, not once. And in my opinion, and certainly as far as Satanism is concerned, the way I interpret it, that puts you up with any of the pantheon of gods, regardless of uh, the culture that they derive from. You don't allow others to dictate your happiness, your success, your goals, that's on you. And you accept it and you fight for it. And that makes you someone of value. Satanist. You're important. Accept it. Celebrate it. Champion the idea. 
Look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I may not be the God that I want to be yet, but by God, I will be. I don't know. I just thought it would be kind of a fun bit of a conversation to have. So what do you guys say here? Uh, no two people are worth the same. You are not worth the same in two different moments of your life. Um, yeah, I, I, that, I think that's a fair statement, Anton. I think ultimately we need to, as long as we're the judge, you know, that's really what it comes down to. As long as we're the ones objectively looking at ourselves and not allowing others to define you. Non-player characters abound, trying to teach these people as the taking to a, uh, talking to a child who misses their cookies. I feel like that's half a conversation I've missed. Let's see, you recall, see, oh, that's uh, something else. <laughs> How dare you free yourself from the illusion program I cling to for comfort. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. Every time you talk about uh, automatons or something similar, something in you stirs. You ask yourself what you could be doing to push your will forward. If your finger weren't broken, you'd be playing guitar now. All right, well, that's, that's fine. There's other instruments. There's other ways that you could try to play. And ultimately, it comes down to if it's the guitar or is it just expressing yourself through music or exploring music? Because you can do that with a broken finger. Um because the others are all about control, what you think, what you say, what you do. Yeah. Let's see, it's helpful in tough times too. It centers the focus on the self at times when such a thing is helpful. Yeah. Ultimately, and that's why I like reflecting about Satanism, um, you know, every week in these segments or just in general in life, because <laughs> nothing can get you down like life. Nothing will punch you in the gut and laugh at you as you roll on the floor in pain like life. You know, it will drag you so low that you just want to top yourself from time to time. The truth is, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it's sure, certainly you're going to feel those emotions. But understanding that that is an inevitability from time to time, that you can accept it. In the moment and instead of wallowing or allowing it dominion over you you just sort of give in to the emotion for an appropriate amount of time in your life and then you move on there's nothing i enjoy more when i'm feeling low than to really feel the low in the same way that when I, you know i, I want to feel the ecstasy of an orgasm or i want to feel the joy of being with the family or, or friends or the, the thrill of, of climbing a mountain, reaching the summit, and taking in the glorious views. The whole span of emotion is what makes us human. And to try to avoid some of it because it hurts or you don't feel comfortable with it, you're missing out on some really wonderful moments of humanity, you know? I don't know. That's what I like anyway. Uh, in art, you engage with other artists by asking yourself whether their art looks enjoyable to make, not whether it's better than what I make. That's interesting. I've actually never looked at art and thought about the other artist's joy in making it. I always sort of decipher it in my head as I'm enjoying it or whether I'm not enjoying it. You know, just like I don't ever think about their process in whether or not they 
you know, what they were feeling. I think that's interesting. Maybe I'll do that next time. Go to a gallery, people. Go to a gallery and, and uh, try that. Who knows? You might discover something new. All right. Well, that's all I had about uh, to talk about in this Devil's Advocate. Celebrate yourself. You know, not every day, but from time to time. Because no one else is going to. It's up to you. Why not? Have some fun. All right. Let's do a little Infernal Informant. A teenager on TikTok disrupted thousands of scientific studies with a single video. Thousands of scientific studies had to toss out weeks of data because of a 56-second TikTok video by a teenager. In July, uh, the July 23rd video is short and simple. It opens with recent Florida high school graduate and self-described teen author, Sarah Frank, sitting in her bedroom and smiling at the camera. Welcome to Side Hustles I Recommend Trying, Part 1, she says in the video, pointing users to the website prolific.co. Basically, it's a bunch of surveys for different amounts of money and different amounts of time. That video got 4.1 million views in that month after it was posted and sent tens of thousands of new users flooding to the prolific platform. Prolific, a tool for scientists conducting behavioral research, had no screening tools in place to make sure that it delivered representative population samples to each study. Suddenly, scientists, used to getting a wide mix of subjects for their prolific studies, saw their surveys flooded with responses from young women around Frank's age. For researchers who rely on representative samples of the U.S. population, that demographic, demographic shift was a major problem with no obvious cause and no immediate clear way to fix. Though not particularly well known, Prolific is part of a small collection of online tools that have transformed the way corporations and scientists study the way people think and act. The first and largest of these research platforms is Amazon-owned Mechanical Turk, which was released in 2005 as a general purpose platform of crowdsourcing work on repetitive tasks. Soon after it was released, behavioral scientists realized its potential value for their research, and it quickly revolutionized several research fields. The behavioral lab at Stanford mainly uses the newer, smaller, prolific platform for online studies these days, Hall said. While many Mechanical Turk customers are big businesses conducting corporate research, Prolific gears its product to scientists. The smaller platform offers more transparency, promises to treat survey participants more ethically, and promises higher quality research subjects than alternative platforms like Mechanical Turk. Scientists doing this sort of research in the United States generally want a pool of subjects who speak English as a first language, are not too practiced at taking psychological surveys, and together make up a reasonably representative demographic sample of the American population. Prolific most agreed did a good job providing high-quality subjects. The sudden change in the platform's demographics threatened to upend that reputation. 
In the days and weeks after Frank's video, um, researchers scrambled to figure out what was happening to their studies. A member of the Stanford, Stanford Behavioral Labor, uh, Laboratory posted on a prolific forum, we have noticed a huge leap in the number of participants on the platform in the U.S. pool from 40,000 to 80,000, which is great. However, now a lot of our studies have a gender skew, which may be 85% of participants are women. Plus, the age has been averaging around 21. Long-standing prolific survey takers complained on Reddit that Frank had made it difficult to find paid surveys to take on the overrun platform. Quote, now it's just another bullshit site to spend hours and make pennies on, wrote one user who said that they had previously made $30 a week on the platform. I, um, I want to double down on this statement. They used to make $30 a week on the platform. And now they're complaining that they can, they're only making pennies. How is that worth your time? How is that possibly worth your time? <laughs> $30 a week? Is your time not more valuable than that? Is your private data, your thoughts, your life more valuable than 30 measly dollars a week? I could see it if you were in a third world country. Then by all means. But you're definitely not the demographic that the prolific uh, scientists are looking for. It's ridiculous, these people. Always in the mode of saving a penny instead of earning a damn dollar. If you just shift the way you perceive your own reality, you would realize that $30 a week doing mindless surveys all day actually gets in the way of you making a real living with actual substantive amounts of money people. Frank, who guesstimated she has made a total of $80 taking surveys on Prolific, a total of $80. She made a video to explain how wonderful this was that she was making $5 a day and she'd only made a total of $80. That should be less than a day's wages that you make. And yet you're spending so much time. I, I just can't, I don't. Does no one understand the value of their time? And clearly it is, it has no value because they're willing to throw it away at $30 a week. This is what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about those easily led automatons that just mindlessly go about their lives without considering anything. They're spending hours to make $30 a week? Oh, it's pathetic. This is what's wrong with this goddamn world. There's too many of Frank here. <sighs> Let's see. Less studies have been available for uh, me and everyone else, she's told The Verge. I've received some really mean comments accusing me of single-handedly ruining the site and being selfish, even though I received no compensation for that video. Look, um, you can't be selfish making $80 a week. That's just not a thing. It, 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 that's not selfish. If you were selfish, you would be making $80 in a couple hours or better than that because you would be spending time on how to get that income. 
instead of worrying about trying to find side hustles, they'll just barely make it so you can afford your groceries for the weekend. Didn't, did her parents never teach her the value of a dollar? It doesn't make any sense. You make more minimum wage than doing these surveys. It's a complete waste of your time. She added that she hoped Prolific would be able to set up a system to deal with its changing demographics. I also predicted that a lot of people who sign up after seeing my video will forget about it and the surge will die down, she said. Prolific co-founder and CTO Felim Bradley told The Verge that many of the new users do seem to be dropping off. Prior yeah, because they're only making $30 a week at best. It's not worth your time. Fucking people. God damn it. Prior to TikTok, about 50% of the responses on our platform came from women, he wrote in an email. The surge knocked this up to as high as 75% for a few days, but since then, this number has been trending down, and we're currently back to 60% of responses being from women. According to Bradley, about 4,600 studies were disrupted by Frank's TikTok, around a third of the total that were active on the platform during the surge. Of those, he said, the vast majority should be salvageable. Prolific has refunded... Okay, so here's the other part of this. There's no reason for this article <laughs> because they start by saying we had to throw out all this data because of this one TikToker. And now they're like, eh, we should be able to salvage it. Well, then what is the problem? What's the problem? You're paying them $30 a week at best. And you can still salvage the data. What are you complaining about? All right. This whole survey structure of scientist to end user is just like a weird circle jerk no one's getting anything out of it it's just like you're staring at each other like uh, it'll happen soon just hold on give me a second i'm almost there mm. oh can it happen can it happen it's never as exciting as if you were actually with another human being physically Prolific has refunded researchers whose studies were significantly impacted by the surge in women survey takers and introduced a new suite of demographic screening tools. The company announced these steps a month after Frank posted her video. The company is now reorganized, putting a team in charge of demographic balancing in order to more quickly recognize and respond to this sort of problem in the future. Quote, honestly, we were somewhat caught by surprise. We didn't predict how large the impact was going to be, Bradley said. The surge isn't all bad. Refreshing the pool of survey takers probably is long-term benefits, said Vlad Chithuk, a Yale graduate student in psychology who was running several pilot studies in Prolific when the surge hit. When subjects take lots of psychological surveys, they learn the tricks scientists use to gather data, and that can impact the way they respond to future survey questions. Fresh subjects provide higher quality data. Unless they're all girls, age 21. I added that last bit in because that's what they were complaining about. I just can't believe that people are excited to earn $30 a week taking endless amounts of surveys. I, I just don't, how, how do you value your time as a human being on this planet? It just, it's $30 a week? How do you break that down by day, by hour, by survey? It's pathetic. And she's celebrating it like it's some new great thing. Hey, everyone, I got a new side hustle. You won't believe the money I'm making. Get a job! Just get a job! What? I don't understand it. 
And you can't give me the shit about, well, there's just not jobs available when all of the U.S. economy metrics are saying the exact opposite. Jobs are available. You could get an actual job that would pay you infinitely more than $30 a week. But you would rather sit on your ass, devaluing your time, not trying to live your life, just sitting behind a screen and telling everyone else how fucking pathetic you are. I don't know how much worse it is that I'm spitting on my camera as I'm yelling about it. <laughs> how pathetic am I? It drives me crazy. Why, why don't you have any self-confidence? Why don't you have any sense of self-worth? Your, your time is so much more valuable. If you're, not, if you're not making $30 an hour, that should be a goal. How can I make $30 an hour? Not, hey, how can I make $30 a week? Ugh. Oh, come on. It's, it, it drives me insane. I don't understand it. It does not even compute. And if you are watching this, and you are one of these survey takers that's making pennies on the hour, you should be ashamed of yourself. Hang your head. You don't. When I was in basic training, <laughs> when I was in basic training, um, our platoon like performed badly. I can't, it was like over 20 years ago. My platoon performed badly in some sort of task or something. And our drill sergeant was so pissed off that he told us we had to, every time we went to like mess hall or we were, you know, in formation walking anywhere, we were supposed to hang our head in shame. <laughs> like, and there were soldiers that did it. I, I refuse. I just, I will not do that. That is, it's just like, I have too much love for who I am as a human being to do that. Damn the consequences. I'm not going to walk around with my head hanging in shame. And then what's worse is there's other soldiers with their head hung in shame whispering to me, you're going to get some trouble. Hang your head. Hang your head. You fucking sheep. He's not going to punish you for not... He's probably going to actually encourage those who didn't act like a sheep and lower their head in shame. Who said, no, I made a mistake, but I'm going to learn from it. And so I'm going to hold my head up high. But you survey checkers should, takers should definitely hang your head in shame. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> don't even look at people in the eye because you don't deserve it. <laughs> people. Uh, where can you find the video you use for the Infernal Informant intro? I don't remember what that is. I'd have to look at it again. <laughs> um, let's see. You're trading hours of your life for money, making it freaking work. Make it freaking work. Yeah, that, it's really that simple. If, if you're going to be doing that, which let's be honest, for the majority of all humans on this planet, that's what you do. You, you trade your time for money. Why wouldn't you want to maximize that? And it, it's not even like a greed thing. It's just like your like sense of worth, you know? Like there was an exercise that you had to do when uh, I was in college about how to... How to um, um, how, do I, how am I going to frame the, phrase this? What would your hourly rate, you know, how would you charge for freelance work? And you had to factor in all of your bills and break it down to a weekly amount of cost. And then, you know, what your time is actually worth. And then, you know, you, you come down to a, a number that you would charge per hour to do what you do. And I would challenge everyone to do this from time to time because it's enlightening. When you think of all the amount of time that you're spending throwing money out into the world, 
how often do you consider that compared to what you're bringing in and whether or not it's providing any substantive value of happiness to affix with it, right? And not everything you do has to bring you happiness. You know, we just talked about this. Sometimes it's okay to just do things because you feel like you want to do it. You know, there's no real value coming out of it except for your own sense of contentment or whatever. Um, and that's okay. But if you're going to be championing the making of money for whatever reason, and you're not valuing your time enough, then you're only going to get what you ask for. You know, in the same way, my mom is a, a really fantastic artist. It's where I get all of my um, drive from as a young man was from watching her. And uh, um, she, it was funny, the tables just turned professionally where she was painting a mural and other people were coming up to her asking her, hey, how much would you charge for that mural? And she was asking me whether or not the amount that she was quoting them sounded good. And I was telling her, well, you have to consider the time and the quality of work that you're putting out there. Because if, Leonardo da Vinci was making paintings and he only thought, well, I'll do it like 20 bucks a painting. Well, then that's all his art is worth. But if the church is paying Michelangelo to paint the Sistine Chapel, you can bet he's going to be making some skrill on that because not only is it going to take a significant amount of time, it's going to take his particular skill that they're looking for. If you don't value your time, other people aren't going to value it either, especially in the art world, right? Just as a, a sort of side example here. So if you say, for me to paint your wall, it's going to take, you know, 70 hours. I'm only going to charge you a hundred bucks. Well, then I don't want you to paint my wall because 70 bucks, that's cheap. It's not going to look good. We equate value with dollar signs, right? It's good if it costs a lot. It's bad if it costs little. And this is extrapolated out because of the Industrial Revolution and, and you can just look at any, anything that nowadays, it's built to fade. It's built to break, right? We have this turnover cycle of consumerism. So they tell you it's really expensive, but it's only going to last a certain while, but it's worth it because it's really, you know, it's really good. And so you buy it like iPhones. People get iPhones every single year. They don't need a new iPhone. They're really not upgrading that much. But the need is there, the value is there because they're expensive as shit. They're over $1,000 if you want the top of the line model now. And people pay it because they see that value in it. You know, this is all about brand management when you want to break it down. And there's, it's a professionalism episode that I have to do. And I talked about doing it months ago. Um, I think it was even last year, the last professionalism episode I did. But I was going to do um, a brand analysis and how you can apply that to yourself. Um, you know, your own brand. I think, I think it's about time that I do that because clearly not everyone understands that if you don't value yourself, no one else will either. People take cues from you. If you're just like mm, hanging your head in shame and kicking rocks and just sort of, you know, eoring it out throughout your life, well, then that's what you are. But if you're fighting, if you're struggling, if you're working, well, then that's what you are. And people want that. They don't want Eeyore. Except in cute children's books. And that role's already taken. You can't have it. All right. So that's, that's what I'm getting out here. Let's see. Um, you feel like TikTok has helped stupidity spread <laughs> literally the speed of light. I think you're right, Mike. I think you're right. I'm actually sweating. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I wasn't planning on doing that. Um professional test takers are going to have to sign up for the squid game show i don't know what that is the squid game now 
What's the Squid Game? Someone give me a heads up. Let's see. Tic Tac is the new god for the mindless. What? Ew. If you want to be a millionaire, you have to value all your time at $250 an hour. Nice. As long as you're putting out that type of work, then yeah, for sure. It's easy to overinflate your self-worth, you know what I mean? Uh, been a while. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Finn. Thanks for tuning in live, man. All right. Uh, that's all I had for this. Let's close out the show. We're a little early, eh, but I'm sweating because I was yelling. I didn't plan on getting, like, I don't know if it seems like it's, uh, I don't know, like I plan to yell or scream or anything. I don't. I just sort of get caught up in the moment and you can ask my wife. That's just how I am. All right, let's do a little creature feature. how right you are <laughs> um okay so we're at the end we're at the creature feature this is not a long segment but it's one that i really am going to ask a lot of you i want you to really like if you're on your tv or if you're on your phone or in your tablet or whatever if you can enlarge the screen i want you to try to do that make the viewing space as big as possible i want you to Focus, like tune out the rest of the world. Just listen to the music. Just look at the photo. And I just want you to appreciate this rock that we're all inhabiting, hurling through space. The random chaos of our able to just exist in the first place, but then build cities and information highways where we can communicate literally at light speed. There is genuine magic there. I just want you, for just a second, try to enjoy it.
on Sebastian Bach is amazing. Oh my gosh. It's just so good. So that photo was taken from the International Space Station by astronauts up there. And they got a, a whole bunch of them. I, I think it was originally shared on Instagram, I think. I don't know for sure. I just follow science news feeds and it came up in it. And there's a lot of other brilliant ones too, but that photo specifically is just spectacular. You can see the atmosphere. You can see the sun. It's rays bleeding through the atmosphere. You can see the magnificent human civilization on the black surface of the planet Earth. It's just... It's stunning. You know? I mean, if we, if we don't celebrate our human ingenuity, our successes, our advancements, what... Why are you even a part of this at all? This whole experiment in life? Because that's really, when it comes down to it, all we are. You know, whether we're a virus or whether or not we deserve this opportunity of existence, I think is irrelevant. Because the fact is that we do have life. That we are conscious about it. And that we are able to really celebrate what we have done as a species. And from just every once in a while, I don't care if it's a sports or political team, just stop thinking about it for a second. Stop worrying. Stop freaking out that your world is going to change and just stop for a second and realize that we have amazing art, amazing music, and images out of nature that are more beautiful and more stunning than anything we could ever imagine ourselves that we came from the soil and there's something magnificent because that means that we are a part of it and we're not separate from that majesty we're a part of it just rounding out the show going right back to the importance of you as neil degrasse tyson loves to say we are stardust and there is truth there Worth noting. And I don't care if all of those Renaissance composers and painters and sculptors were paid by the church to create their art. The church was the only one that could afford to do that. So it was less about the religious expression and more about the human expression. And Johann Sebastian Bach is, for me, he's at the top the greatest and our planet it's why i go insane when i think about how how much we're destroying it just in my lifetime and we don't change at all we don't stop our behaviors we're not trying to roll back any of our actions we're just continuing on because who cares meanwhile the one thing that has allowed us to exist and grow is being poisoned by us. Man. Such a shame. Carl's, yeah, I, I, I've done that one, Greg, um, in a past episode. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. That's all I wanted to talk about this, uh, this week. Eh, maybe it's a mail-in episode, or maybe it's just a celebration of the human experience. Either case, I hope you enjoyed it. 
If you want to support this show, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the videos, or share them if you think they're worthwhile. Otherwise, you could always sign up to the email list, which will let you know what type of a show I'm going to be next, uh, doing next, what the topic is, and who I'm going to be doing it with if I have a guest. Of course, if you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, read the Satanic Bible, read the Satanic Scriptures, and visit churchofsatan.com. There's a ton of free information on that website. A ton! I know, because I helped put some of it up there. So please do yourselves a favor and look at it because you can read the standard bible and stand scriptures and feel like yeah i get satanism but there's so much more out there so much more do yourself a favor and that's it have a fantastic week everyone until next time hail satan <laughs>